Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and today we're having a bit of a crew chat, and uh, we're going to be covering some awesome topics uh, from the aquatic side of the spectrum that we normally bounce back and forth between. So uh, we're going to be talking about some tasty trash fish, and not not in the... I don't like using the term trash fish because I often think it, it puts a lot of negative connotation in something that's very positive. Uh, you know, just like I was telling the guys here that I, I don't often, or I think that often uh, various species of fish that are unpopular uh, with the general public get a bad rap when in reality it's just uh, people may or may not have taken the appropriate steps to prepare them in a uh, delicious manner. So we're going to talk through some of those today and share some of our experiences and some of our recipes. And this has uh, been a summer of fishing and adventuring and so uh, likely to give you some, hopefully some inspiration to get out to whatever pond, lake, river, stream, or ocean that you live by and throw a hook in the water and catch some fish and put them in the pan. But uh, as far as myself, so this is the uh, first official podcast here in our new, I'll say, quote unquote, studio. Uh, it's my office, which is now located in my downstairs basement, uh, which is pretty awesome. Luckily, I got the highest internet speed I could, so uh, that'll help with connectivity uh, while I'm down here hiding away from the rest of my family. But uh, it's a good space to keep it quiet. 
But uh, outside of that, uh, if you haven't listened lately, the Adventures for Food podcast is definitely back in full swing, and we've got a lot of great episodes going there. I think most recently we released one uh, where a gentleman was out uh, having a a bit of a doe hunt with his dad, and uh, they were able to capitalize on that. And um, I'll let you listen to the story to figure out how it ends. But there's a special detail there that's, that's pretty cool, pretty captivating, and and enjoyable in those moments but uh outside of that make sure you scroll on over to facebook and join the community page that's uh for everything we do here at harvesting nature you can interact with uh our writers with uh our managerial managerial staff anyway those folks that help keep us running and uh we're there pretty much on a day-to-day basis and actually both adam and jeff uh are like probably some of our highest contributors to that page, sharing recipes and photos and all the the great adventures that they're on. So you can definitely interact with them uh, there very, very much. And I guess I kind of gave it away who was on the show. But uh, nonetheless, we're here with that. So uh, we've got Adam here. Adam, as you may remember, if you scroll back and listen to episode 329, uh, Life is Like a Box of Duck Livers. Uh, the, the famed episode where we talk about, man, we talked about everything in that episode, right, Adam? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, made it around. So, Adam, if, if you could give the listeners a little reminder of uh, where you're from and, and, and what you're involved in and, and how you found your way uh, into the Harvest Nature crew. Sure, I'm, um, I'm up in Canada uh, in the Great White North, but it's pretty <laughs> pretty hot right now, actually, up here. Uh, living on a little lake, um, just north of Kingston, Ontario, which is kind of close to the New York state border. Um, I'm also known as the intrepid eater. I have, a kind of a, a social media personality as the intrepid eater where I post a lot of my food. Um, and I do a lot of fishing on the lake here, a lot of gardening, and I'm an adult onset hunter. So I've been hunting for the last two, two or three years now, so I'm still very new to it, but I'm uh, really approaching it from a, a food angle and uh, learning a lot. And and hopefully this hunting season, I can uh, fill my freezer with a, a few more things, a few more goodies than I did last year. Um, yeah, I just uh, I've been with you guys now for I think since February, maybe um, mostly just putting in uh, recipes and and dealing with the food side things. So yeah. I'm really enjoying it so far. Nice. Well, we thank you for that. We love having you. And also, we've got Jeff with us. Uh, Jeff uh, was last chatted with us in episode 328, where we were fishing in a tuxedo. That's a great episode, where we learned both Jeff and I have some very close connections down in South Florida that uh, you'll have to listen to to figure out what those are. But uh, I'll let Jeff tell you, remind you a little bit about himself and and how he got involved uh, with us. Yeah, I'm Jeff Benda. I've got... um... Uh, website wildgameandfish.com and uh, where I post different recipes and it's it's kind of a newer website so I uh, but I've been hunting for almost 20 years now I live in North Dakota and um, yeah I moved around a lot and and I was actually you know ready to go down and settle in Florida but it was hunting that kept me here in North Dakota and um, I absolutely love it so uh live here with my wife and daughter and they love wild game and uh so i keep cooking for them and 
keep making recipes and and uh, so having fun doing oh, yeah. it. Yeah, and we're definitely thankful for those recipes. Those have inspired a lot of things, a lot of good conversations. Uh, I even think like both both of you, you may or may not know this, but you've challenged me to make sure that uh, it kept me in check to make sure I'm stepping up my game and staying on top of it. So it's it's a uh, uh, I am really thankful for for what you both do. So it's it's fun. It's fun in that regard for sure. And I'm glad Adam is on here because I love his stuff on Instagram and and his recipes. So it's a really yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of good stuff on there. So likewise, it's nice to finally actually get to meet each other, uh, even if it's on a podcast. Hopefully in in person one day. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, uh, and us here to talk about sort of uh trash fish what where do you guys lie in the term trash fish and sort of how do you consider uh what fish you do or don't eat i tend to say trash fish with with air quotes a lot Mm -hmm. uh because i don't believe there are too many trash fish out there Um, there's always some way to cook them and some seasoning you can use or some preparation that you can do that that will make most things edible um, I know not everything in life is edible, but, uh, you can really push the boundaries of what people say is good. And, uh, and you just have to explore and experiment to, to find your way through that, I think. And the best is to stop listening to what everyone else thinks and, and find your own way sometimes with that. Yeah, I would agree with Adam. I, I think it's just, it's experimentation, right? So I've had, uh, I really made it a goal this year to, keep everything, um, at least, at least like a species, uh, try to, try to keep everything and then experiment with that. And I've, and I've only had one epic fail, which we can talk about later, but, um, which cost me more in scented candles than anything else. (laughs) But, uh, but I mean, everything else was, I mean, everything else was good. And, and, uh, so yeah, I think it's just all in the preparation and how you look at it. Definitely. I think I, I think I'm definitely uh, I'm in agreement with both of you on that. And as far as is looking at uh, you know fish as a whole is I think if you look culturally throughout time, like people have eaten fish a lot, whether it be freshwater fish, whether it be saltwater fish, whatever availability of fish, people were eating it in some manner. And as as society has evolved and as we've changed and our palates have adjusted and we've figured out different ways to prepare fish, it's it's interesting to see the species of fish that we've settled on, which are acceptable to eat, which are not acceptable to eat, which, uh, you know, through, we'll say, cultural evolution have become un- unacceptable to eat and which through human consumption, consumption have been unavailable you know, if you look at sort of uh, the way we've we've treated some species of fish, where we've almost fished them into extinction, so I think it's uh, as you look at the whole pattern of how we eat seafood and freshwater fish and and everything, it's just it's it's an interesting thing to look at, and even regionally too, like um, how you can walk into the supermarket. Like for instance, we went to the whole foods here the other day. And, uh, you know, when we were down in, in Key West, we, I re- primarily bought a type of shrimp called Key West pinks and, uh, they're, they're grown there in Key West or not grown, but they're harvested in the Florida Keys. They're very specific to that ecosystem. Well, we walk into the whole foods and what do we see a frozen bag of Key West pink shrimp, right? 
which I noted, I was like, these are actually cheaper than what we pay for them in the Keys <laughs> when we get them, uh, you know, almost fresh. Which I think I find absolutely unnerving, but uh, second, it's just like uh, the availability of, of produce and products and fish and meat across the the continents has changed so much over the years that it also has shaped the way that we eat food, and uh, specifically seafood. Um, just a little nugget, I guess, in the back of my head <laughs> that I think about, but... Um, I think looking at sort of, uh, as Adam, you put it best with the quote, the air quotes of, of trash fish. Um, I, I don't understand. It's, it's hard to pinpoint and you have to dig back deep in some instances. It's probably never really relevant why people stopped eating these types of fish. Cause I'm sure at some point somebody's like, Oh yeah, we're going to eat whatever we can catch. You know, yeah. it seems pretty logical in, in the evolution of, of eating of, Hey, I'm really hungry, so if I figure out whatever this is, I'll I'll eat it. And if it doesn't kill my brother over there, then I'll probably eat it too. Uh, so, um, I don't know. Do you guys think in the world of fish, people lean towards um, labeling sort of the, the trash fish more the saltwater side, more on the freshwater side? Do you think that there, there may, not, may or may not be a difference? I think... Uh... Just in my experience, I'm so far away from any ocean that I just deal only in the freshwater side. So, so everything I hear has to do with freshwater fish, and I'm, I'm haven't had much exposure to the the saltwater side of things, um, except what I have in the grocery store, uh, frozen, which is probably not going to be other people's trash fish. So, um, but I hear a lot of it about the about the fresh fish around this region for sure. Um, and what, what what types do you do you hear people talking about? Uh, a little bit of everything. Like um, pike is the biggest one, which I've talked about before. But people just don't seem to. They get upset when they get a pike on the line. They say it's not worth anything. Throw it back. It's it's garbage. It's no good. It tastes awful. Blah 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 blah. Um, have you even heard that about like largemouth bass, which I just ate last night. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you were saying about the regionality of things, like the uh, people up here um, where, where I'm from don't generally eat much catfish. But in the south where you guys are from, like catfish is, is huge. Um, and some people look at me funny when, when I'm eating catfish. So you can just see how trash fish can change from one, from, you know, a couple hundred miles. And people are looking at it, the same fish completely differently. Um yeah, so it's yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think it's uh, it's always interesting, and you mentioned both pike. So me having pike was actually the first time in North Dakota. Uh, a guy showed us how to like to fillet them, uh, excluding the the Y bones, and it was kind of like revolutionary for me because I was like, this fish literally hits on anything you throw at it that jingles and flashes. Like, why aren't people eating this? And the guy was like, well be honest like people get frustrated they don't want to fillet it they don't want to deal with the bones they don't want to do that like you know why mess with it when you can you know catch a walleye or catch another type of fish that's uh easier to handle and it's just uh you know we spent that trip like almost targeting pike specifically because they're easy to catch and we could eat them and uh 
I think about largemouth bass and both catfish as well. Like I grew up eating largemouth bass. We would go to farm ponds all over Oklahoma and just you would catch as many as you could catch and take them home and fillet them. And they were going in the fish fry or whatever you were making with them. And, um, you know, a lot of people I think of as it's turned into a, a major trophy fish, unfortunately people will choose to let it go. I guess that's a good thing in some regards, but I think some of the stress that the fish goes through, you may or may not have a good survival rate, but, uh, and then catfish. Oh man, I could go <laughs> on for days about catfish, <laughs> but, um, and Jeff, you've been posting a lot of catfish recipes lately. Yeah. I live like two minutes from the red river of the North and, and that's, it runs from, um, so, like, if you look at a map, the North Dakota Minnesota border, mm-hmm. um, that's it. That's it. It runs from uh, down like in Wapaton, North Dakota, so about an hour south of Fargo, and then it runs all the way up to Winnipeg and empties out the the Red River of the North empties out in Lake Winnipeg. And so this this river is famous. I mean, people travel like there's tournaments and people um, have traveled internationally to come fish like giant catfish here, but. Uh, you know, you go down to the river here and, and nobody's keeping them. And, and, you know, you go south of the Mason Dixon line and everybody's keeping them. So, you know, that, and it's, so will they come up here and, uh, you know, you go down to the river here and, and guys are targeting walleye and, um, you know, they might target smallmouth bass if they're that kind of guy, uh, you know, but you can catch anything. I've, I've, I've had a buddy catch a baby, like a little sturgeon in here, you know? Uh, but you know, I honestly, I could go down any day after work and just hang out there and go grocery shopping. I don't, I wouldn't even need to have a rod or reel. Like I could just go and (laughs) hang out there and and say, Hey, Hey, you're going to keep that. They're like, what do you want this? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I'll, I'll take, yeah, I'll take five and that's my limit. I'd, I would be happy to take that home for you. So, um, you know, uh, it, it really, yeah, I, I've been cooking a lot with it because that's what I've been catching. Uh, there's a lot of other fish and a lot of, a lot of recipes. Um, we're, we're in a major drought right now. And, and so the water level is really low. So there's a lot of spots, uh, like a lot of drainages that go off the river. Um, just a lot of spots that I've, I've hit before and just the fish aren't there. Uh, so, um, you know, some of those spots like, um, uh, like carp, like I, mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, there's a spot that's like hot for it. If the water, if after a big rain and it fills up and I can't do that, a uh, freshwater drum, that spot, it's all dry. So, um, you know, but those are fish that I, that we target, that we cook with. And, um, so my only option right now is the catfish. And so that's what I've been cooking with, you know, it's opportunity. It's a pretty good option in my opinion. Uh, yeah. definitely a huge catfish fan, but, um, yep. so you mentioned, you mentioned carp and in a lot of places, uh, carp would be ruled as like, uh, definitely a trash fish. Except um, for everywhere else in the world. Exactly. Right. So, uh, exactly. yeah. So I'm a, so my last name is Benda. So, uh, Czech Republic. Um, mm-hmm. you go to Prague, Chris. So the tradition in Prague, um, in the Czech Republic is for Christmas dinner. They all, everybody goes out, like they have lakes in, like they have a lake in town where they raise carp. Everybody goes down to the market right before Christmas. 
They all get their carp. Then it's really weird. They throw it in the bathtub uh, <laughs> for like two days before, which I which I've never understood. I, you know, who's showering before Christmas Eve church? Like anyway, so but they're throwing <laughs> this catfish and they hang onto it and then they prepare it. Um, that's that's a very traditional um, in in the Czech Republic for for Christmas dinner. Everybody has carp. Uh, yep, that that's a huge tradition in the city of Prague and, and in other parts of the Czech Republic, but all over the world. I, you know, if you look at uh, what people are are eating, carp is a huge uh, food source, and um, and you know, there's a program in Chicago, you know, because of the the Asian carp, and there's mm-hmm. like there's there's money for people who want to develop recipes, and and there's actually a restaurants that are. Uh, have been doing really well because they're serving Asian carp burgers, and there is there's money from the government subsidizing them to serve those uh, because they're trying to encourage people to eat them, uh, so that people they're encouraging people to target them, and uh, and because people are able to do it commercially and and because they want to get rid of them, so yeah, carp carp is carp's good and and. If you prepare it right, there's a lot of great, a lot of great opportunities, a lot of great recipes out there. I think Adam, you have a uh, you have a carp recipe, or is it Jeff? I, I forget the. Yeah, it must uh, be Nikwa, Jeff. Nik- I can never say. Oh, Jeff, the salad. Yeah the, yeah. the salad. Yeah. Yep. Um, is that just using steamed carp? No, that was that was smoked carp. Yeah. So smoked. then you just because you know it's the bones, um, mm-hmm. but they have those big bones. It's really easy. To work around, you know, whether you smoke it or you can bake. I think one of the one of the things that people are dealing with those, just the way you peel the fish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and taking it off and just does it take time? Yes, but you can get you can go through and get those bones out um, and serve it. And so, uh, yeah. So I've done the salad there. Um, it's the traditional French um, salad and or. But but just take any smoked fish uh, recipe. You know I've done a couple different ones with the smoked fish dip, like the um, the the gold eyes. That's in Canada. I don't, Adam, I don't know if you guys have gold eyes. We have. It's like in the northern United States and Canada. Yeah, I think it's more central, like Midwest and like Manitoba. Yeah, I lived in Alberta for a while, and they had gold eye up there. But it's yeah, pretty, pretty rare to see them out in Ontario this way. Yeah, and those are the ones like down here, um, like they're just going to take your bait and take your bait, you know, um, and just it drives you crazy. And I've never kept them until this year. Like you talk about a trash fish, you know, um, guys will cut them up and use them for catfish bait because it's if you want a big cat, you catch a gold eye, throw a little night crawler on there, you catch a gold eye, you cut it up, and then you throw that on a big hook to the bottom, and then you're going to catch a big catfish. That's that's a sure. yeah, that's a that's a huge uh that's a huge that's that's a really popular way to do it but to keep just really really stinky or um, once you cut them open mushy flesh no it's just yeah yeah so you just throw them on a hook they're just they've always really worked and um but i kept like i just i just had a day and like they were just taking the bait and taking the bait these these gold eyes and um so i just was like screw it. I'm just going to keep them and see what I can do with them, you know? So I, uh, I did them a few different ways, but 
even then the bones, you know, they have those little bones. So I, I put them in the smoker and got mm-hmm. all the bones I could. And then I put them in the food processor and I made uh that, that recipe is on the website and, but I just made a, a smoked fish dip and, uh, it was great, you know, um, just followed recipe for any smoked fish dip. And, um, I've got two different recipes on the website. One for, I think one for catfish and one for the, um, one for the gold eye. So how do you, how do you like the, the smoked catfish for the, the fish dip? Cause I would think it'd be like a, a little meatier, a little heavier. Yeah. I mean, you got to trim the fat up, you know, um, when you're dealing with catfish, but and like, I just follow the, the recipe for that one, Justin, I use the, I'm sure you've had it like the smoked catfish or sorry, the smoked fish dip that you mm-hmm. can get on any, like the bar and grills on any beach in Florida. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's what I model it after. Cause, cause my, okay. yeah, when my wife and I are down there, we always order it for an appetizer and she loves it. So when I came up with that idea, she's like, yeah, why don't you, you know, that sounds good. I would eat that. Right. And so I made well, it you know what? and I, and I loved it. Yeah. She loves it. I remember it. us talking about this, yeah. uh, in the previous episode. That's right. Yep. Um, but yeah. And for that, they used like mackerel, uh, which is very, very oily and, and uh, for those fish dips, so yeah, it's still that that dip really intrigues me. I have to get after some catfish. I'm gonna try it. Um, I think I said the same thing last time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hmm, golden. I've never heard of golden eye fish. I don't think it's uh, very regional. So you're only gonna find it in the northern United States, the northern Midwest, and then parts mm-hmm. of Canada. So okay. that, it's it's a very it, that's the only place where you're gonna find it. So. So I do, uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about uh, pike. Kind of circle back around because Adam, you had a great uh, article where you broke down, uh, like full, full on pike breakdown into like every usable piece possible. Like where, where did yeah. you get, where did, where did you get that idea? Like it was awesome. Well, I, I just, uh, I was tired of everyone saying that. Oh like pike is trash or they're they're hard to clean because the white bones and you know there's if you kind of look up online there's there's several different ways of of cleaning them and some people have and a lot of them work like it's not one way does all kind of thing but uh i figured i should just do kind of a definitive um the way that i do it and break it down to the minute um actions so i did like a 70 photo breakdown of every Mm -hmm. single cut and it, and it kind of sends off the, if anyone's familiar with it, it's like a five filet method uh, that works your way around the Y bones. And uh, yeah, I went out on bass opener on the lake I live on here. And uh, we, we've been avoiding bass for months and uh, going for pike and couldn't catch any pike. And then on the first morning of bass opener, I couldn't catch one bass, but I caught a nice big pike, which <laughs> yeah, always happened to you. So so I figured that was a great time just to like lay it out and, and do it right from start to finish. And uh, I really don't like letting anything go to waste. So I use as much as, as humanly possible. Uh, I save the head, I save the tails, I save the bones, I save everything and, and try to uh, to use as much of the fish as I can. So so that guide really just breaks it right down into, into every single piece you can possibly pull off a pike. And uh, hopefully it's very easy for people. And like I said, there's other ways to do it, but that's kind of the way I, I like to do it. So, 
and sure. it's and it's I, also in a in a sorry in a pictorial so it's not like a video because i was watching videos of guys doing it and it's hard to like your hands are full of fish guts and you're pausing and you're pressing play and i figured maybe a pictorial <laughs> would actually be better to really see every single small step so i chose that route instead i i appreciate the pictorial because i'm a i'm a big detail guy but i also like it takes me sometimes those videos. I have to watch them like three or four times to kind of absorb everything. And with the pictorials, mm-hmm. I can kind of stop and like it can go, you know, almost through cut by cut and say like, all right, analyze this and try to look at, you know, am I looking at knife angle and I'm looking at how the specific cuts are made. It, it allows me to zoom in, zoom out and really appreciate the, the detail of the work. So that I thought, man, I was so impressed when I, I saw that. Yeah, I really liked it, and I now I've been waiting to. I've I've been wanting to use the process, and I can't catch a pike now to save my life. So, yeah, yeah that's the way it goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all available on the website. Uh, I've done some other ones too for like how to make a turducken from start to finish, how to break down a wild goose and stuff like that. So, I hope to do lots more um, and just really get into the nitty gritty of like every single knife stroke kind of thing. I really enjoy making those, so I'm glad you guys like them. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, a lot of positive feedback on that. People, people in general, I think enjoy it. But I've been, uh, I've been having Pike on my radar, but uh, for different. So, um, as you guys may or may not know, like I'm, I like to spearfish and stuff too. And as as I leave the coast behind me, I've been looking for other opportunities, and uh, I discovered that Colorado allows spearfishing for pike and carp. So. Uh, but I also learned as I, I got up here and I joined some of the Facebook hunting and fishing groups and stuff like that. And I've since met two other guys that spearfish here. And the way that I met them is they posted about spearfishing for pike in some of the Colorado lakes. And people like got up in arms about it. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa like you're taking the pike? Like, why are you why are you keeping the pike? Like you should be letting them go. They're like oh. Well, guys, like the, these fish aren't native to Colorado. One and and two, it's like you're you're supposed to kind of keep them and eliminate them, and spearing them is a way to take them and be done with them. Because like under the water, they just they're 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 there. They're like barracuda. They just kind of hang out. So uh, as I understand it, it's sort of easy pickings for a for a spearo. So um, we know people got really really upset. Like I was looking at like pages and pages and pages of negative comments about this guy just kind of asking about spearfishing pike and uh and then i posted my comment and i was like hey man if you need a spearfishing buddy let me know (laughs) (laughs) of course then everybody else got pissed off because of that too but you know it is what it is i guess at the end of the day you know i don't know if you guys know this but i actually um if you have ever heard of it but i just ran into a gal um she was at um at a wedding and she was from Russia, and I and somebody had mentioned, um, you know, my um, that I do uh, wild game and fish recipes, and 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 I and I asked her because when she when they said she was from, from Russia, and I asked her about this because uh, I had done that shuba salad, that pickled northern under a fur coat, mm-hmm. you know, because it was from mm-hmm. Russia, and I asked her, I said, hey, is you know, I so I had asked her about it. And we got in a conversation and she said, that's really interesting that you did pike. She goes, because there are so many, there's so much folklore and especially children's stories uh, in Russia about magical things um, 
Like if you keep people who keep a pike, they're granted wishes and like there's all kinds of stories out there. And I've actually been looking on the internet since and and there's a lot of stuff out there. So um so wow. it it might be yeah, so I think for those of us who are keeping pike um you know, for granted three wishes and, uh, you know, and, uh, I, I'm definitely, I'm going to research it a little bit more. She said some of them are a little scary, but I was, I was going to, you know, instead of, uh, my daughter trying to find Aladdin's lamp, I'm going to tell her that she could target a Northern Pike and, uh, maybe she could get three wishes off of that. But anyway, so, so I don't know, something I don't know new I learned. I don't know if you want to encourage anybody rubbing the side of a pike that may or may not end yeah. in the loss yeah. of <laughs> Well, the slime, see, that's, that's why. See, nobody, nobody does it because of the slime. And so for those who are brave, uh, we, will become, we will become, yeah, we will become rich and famous. There you go. That's it? Yep. I'm down. I'll take that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So as, as we sort of think about trash fish, we've, we've covered a lot. We've talked about pike. We've talked about carp. Uh, we're talking about catfish, um, bass, which I definitely want to talk a little more about bass. And, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a place, like I said, where we were pretty much reliant on largemouth bass. And, um, I don't know, do you guys both have smallmouth bass present, uh, in any population in, in your area? Yeah, we have both largemouth and smallmouth in the lake here, lakes around here. So I catch both on a regular basis out here. And Adam, do you, what about you? Yeah, we've Sorry. got them too. We have a lot of a small. I've actually got a little spot on a lake that's really, um, it's pretty close, and I I can really target the smallmouth. Um, but I, there's there's also a few lakes around here that have uh, big populations of white bass, and those like you can mm-hmm. catch, and they're huge. Um, uh, you know, you can keep a ton of them here in North Dakota. I mean the 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 what they allow for you to keep is is great but people don't want them like they throw them back and you know like like we've gone to the fish cleaning station and we've had two and um after a long day of fishing and there'll be guys who are like they were targeting walleye and they're like oh wow we caught like a hundred of those today we threw them all back and i'm like dang it you know um yeah, so the, like white bass is another one that where people like we love eating them, and um, but yeah, I think it's just it's another one of those things. There's we treat them like everything else, you know. I'm, They're good I'm, fish. I'm going to be like really honest. Like I, I don't think I've met a bass I haven't liked. Like we caught a lot of striped bass. I've caught white bass up there as well, yep. and it's just like the overall bass i don't i don't get the the stigma and i was kind of asking you both about the small mouth versus large mouth to see like generally do people in your area lean towards the acceptability of one over the other um not that i've noticed i know people often say you should be throwing them back um due to them Mm -hmm. being a sport fish rather than eating fish uh which plays into maybe some people's perceptions on on the flavor of them too uh, I've heard they're they're fishy and not really good, which is crazy to me because they taste awesome. But uh, yeah, I haven't had, noticed much difference in between the small and large mouth as to what they say to keep and what to, they say to leave. So yeah, I don't understand why people like they'll go out and target uh, crappies, but they'll mm-hmm. throw away bat. Like there's like if you're doing a fish fry, 
I people aren't sitting there going, wait, wait, what is this? You know, because I've yeah, got it all mixed no, together. Like, hang on, that one tasted different. I'm pretty sure that was yeah. a small mouth there. No, no, it's not happening. <laughs> so um, beer and hush puppies and right. ketchup yeah, and yeah, 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 tartar yeah. sauce. Like, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, even straight up in between, like the like uh, the crappie and the smallmouth and largemouth and pike and walleye, even and you do a fish fry and it's all combined. Like I'd I'd like to see people choose which one's which out of them, and the people who are saying, "Oh, that one's crap and that one's great and that one's whatever," I'd like to see them choose which one's which if it's all done properly without the bones. Um, Ooh, they all taste really good when you fry. Yeah, when you fry stuff in a big batter like that and it's all in the same oil, like you're not. There's no difference between them, really. I I think too, like uh, you know, if you get a white flaky fish and you batter it and you fry it, like freshwater, saltwater, like no matter the lot, like almost they're going to be pretty similar in a lot of ways. Uh, It's going to be hard to tell. And I mean, that's like what we did a lot with saltwater fish. Like when I first got into spear fishing, and we were, you know trying every variety of legal fish we could take it's just like you would just shoot it uh people be like oh you're gonna take that and he's like well i want to try it i want to know if i like it or not and uh we did some of those like i wouldn't say blind taste tests but we definitely did some taste tests where we we had three or four types of fish and we like um we filleted them and fried them and decided if we liked them or not and uh some of them never made it past the fillet table, I'll tell you that, just because like you'd cut into them and you're like, "Whoa, nope, this is too much, too much for me." Uh, uh, and I think that goes a lot to diet, but um, I don't know. Given the difference in variety of freshwater fish, and I don't know if diet plays as much into the fact. I just I try to wrap my head around to you the small mouth and large mouth difference, and and I don't know. I can't either. The enjoyment of eating a bass is pretty much synonymous, like I mentioned. But so, if you're steaming them, steaming them with with barely any flavors, then that's when maybe the flavors start coming through. Like mm-hmm. eating just a pure, pure fish without the grease and without the batter and without the seasoning. I think then you can start to tell the intricacies of flavor in between the different fish um, when you're dealing with just like the all the flaky, the easy flaky white fish. Um, but when, yeah, dealt with those, like adding lots of flavors to that, you're not like, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to really say you could easily fool someone, let's say, and tell them that they're eating walleye when it's when it's a bass or a pike or something like that. Yeah, but I, Joke's I, I mean, yeah. my, my wife's not a big fried fish person and, and I've we've done a lot of baked like bass, uh-huh. perch. Mm-hmm sunfish i mean we've had like a smorgasbord but you know when i when i bring the stringer in or the cooler home um and i've got like you know two perch five sunnies you know two smallmouth bass um and you know i get home and she's like oh great another day without any walleye for me you know so (laughs) she's like i'm so glad you brought fish home all i wanted was a walleye but i'm like okay you know but how can I make this how she likes it? And so, you know, she likes that baked, you know, she doesn't like things deep fried. Um, and if she does, it's, it's just minimal. Um, so I've cooked a lot with those. And I think just this, if seasoned properly and cooked properly, um, you know, it's just like anything you're not, you, you don't want to dry it out. So it's cooking to temperature. Um, 
you know, just like a steak, you know, fish, you, um, you know, you have to cook it to the right temperature and you have to season it properly. It's just like anything. It's just like anything when we do cooking, um, there's proper techniques and, and there's the, the right way to treat it and it can come out great. I've, I've not had a bad situation, um, when any of those, any of those fish, um, whether it's mm-hmm. white bass, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, anything, um, if cooked properly, it, it can taste really good. Have you guys, uh, talking about the way we look at fish, have you guys looked at um, Josh Nyland over in Australia? No. Mm-hmm. So, so he's oh, got he's a... doing amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. So, you, you yeah. Jeff, you should definitely check him out on Instagram. Uh, he's got a restaurant over there called St. Peter. Um, and it's a, a restaurant completely dedicated to fish, but, uh, I think it was last year, the year before, uh, I came out with a book called, uh, the whole fish cookbook and, uh, man, what, a what a great book. And his whole concept behind it is like taking approach of fish, uh, as meat, not as something separate, but just the way you treat, you know, a porterhouse steak or a rack of venison or, you know, insert whatever delicious meat that your family enjoys, uh, taking that same approach towards fish. And, uh, he does things like dry aging fish and he's got the, like the breakdown, like Adam did on a, on a lot of different fish and really talk about utilizing the entirety of the fish. And it's, uh, I think I got his book last year for, for Christmas and just kind of dove into it. And I tried to play around quite a bit with it when, uh, when I was down in the keys and, and spearfishing more and man, it, it's such a, when you start to kind of put your mind at that point and be like, well, all right. So we, we know there's, there's good fish and there's bad fish. Culture's driven that into our head of like, don't eat this, eat that. If we step away from that and say, well, We've got this fish over here that's good for X, Y, and Z recipes. And we've got this fish over here that's better for, you know, A, B, and C recipes. So how can we take the fish uh, that's good for X, Y, and Z and really bring out the flavors of that fish and really understand how to make that fish taste better? Or to, you know, add ingredients or complement it just, just like you would with anything else. And uh, I think in in this conversation, as we look at it, the what people refer to as trash fish, which in all reality, people all over the world are eating. So I would honestly love to just get rid of that term. But uh, unfortunately, I think that may be an uphill battle for us. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a fun way, and I. I, I I like what both of you guys are doing and, and encouraging the use of different types of fish. Like, why not? Yeah, and, and like you said, there's people around the world eating all these fish when mm-hmm. when over here we may not be. And that's a really good way if you're interested in, in getting into it and trying something new is just looking elsewhere for recipes like like Eastern Europe uh, for carp or China. Um, the snakehead fish is, is commonly eaten all throughout Southeast Asia and China. Um, uh they they love lamprey, sea lamprey in France, and most people would just shudder at the thought of eating a lamprey here. But uh, it's it's a delicacy elsewhere. So so if you're looking to to explore them a little bit, it's, it's worthwhile looking to see 
who else is making them around the world and just following suit because, uh, yeah, they've been doing it elsewhere for, for years and years and years and they have some really interesting recipes. So I think that's an easy way to, um, to assure yourself if you're on the right track or not and, and eating something that's a little different or challenging. I think we, we were talking about, uh, other fish from around the world. And it jogged a thought in my mind of like, uh, how, in certain aspects, we may change the common name of fish uh, to sort of be more appetizing and more palatable. And uh, the one that comes uh, comes to mind is the Patagonia toothfish. You know what you guys call that now? Chilean sea bass. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds so nice now. <laughs> so it just rolls off the tongue. But have you ever looked at a picture of one? Yeah, they're not as pretty as the fillets like in the grocery no. store, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm looking at one right now, and I'll describe it. It's just like, it's all tooth. Ugh. Gray and mealy looking and just like, ugh. I don't know. But, tastes amazing, right? What's yeah. another two? Uh, didn't Sheep's Head used to have a different name? Well, Sheep's you're talking, it's a drum. It's a name of a lot of different fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah but a Sheep Head, like, that's that freshwater drum. And I target those. We love them. Um, and actually, if you have kids... There is a, uh, um, that's a, that's actually a, there's a pearl, there's a little bone in there that's, it's like a pearl that you can, that you can dig out. So last year when we found them and, um, and I'd watch a YouTube video on how to get it out, but, uh, yeah, Justin, when I took my daughter out there and she caught it, I was like, Oh, he's got a secret he's got a secret pearl inside and, and she was like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. It's just like right out of a fairy tale and we dug it out and she, and, uh, and, and we found it and she was so excited and, um, I'm sure she's lost it in her room at some point. So there's probably some fish bones somewhere out in her, in my daughter's room. But yeah, she was so excited for that. And, um, but there's a little spot. It's like near the head. Um, uh, and I know, yeah, you got, yeah. you can find it on YouTube. So if, if there's listeners out there, mm. uh, and you, you can check it out, but that, that's a fun one too, but they're great tasting fish. Yeah. I mean, because we're, the, we're the in fresh. Florida, if you're down by any, you know, dock or pier and there's guys targeting, you know, they're, they're targeting sheep at like, um, I mean, yep. like uh, you'll stand there all day and watch them take your shrimp and it'll drive you crazy. And, uh, you know, but up here their their drum, right. Freshwater drum is, is Freshwater it's going to be the same. And, uh, mm-hmm. and guys wouldn't even think about keeping them, but they, they're, it's great. They taste great. And, um, and we've done a lot of recipes with those as well. It's crazy to see how that name travels both for freshwater and for, uh, saltwater too. I was looking, it's funny. I was, the thing that sticks out to me about sheep's head uh, down in Florida is their teeth because they crush the the shells mm. and coral and crustacean and all that. And they look like they have like hum- four human teeth in the very front, which is such a weird thing. Um, and then California, they have a different sheep's head on the West Coast. They uh, There's one that's like black and red with a little white patch underneath its chin. And it's got like a big old forehead. And that's different too. It's just I don't know. It's wild. And that one looks equally as ugly. 
But it tastes delicious because I've had it out there too. <laughs> maybe maybe we're starting to get some correlation here as as far as looks and uh, looks and palatability. Yeah, I, think, I think a lot of it is psychological, like the you know the carp and and lamprey, like we're talking about, and the snakehead, and and the sheep's head. Like if the, and even pike is, is slimy and toothy. Like um, how much of that is a psychological resistance to accept that it tastes good if the fish looks awful to you? Um, and are, are we putting away, putting back really good fish just because they look ugly when, if you get it in a filet, it's, it's no problem at all. Yeah. And I think that goes, you know, we, we handle it a lot of like the separation of, of seeing where your food comes and, and actually picking it up mm-hmm. in the, in the grocery store. So I, I don't know. Yeah. People, people have no problem picking up Baza filets now. Like everyone eats, eats Baza and tilapia, no problem, but. But if you saw a baza up close, it's just a, it's a catfish, so it's it's not that pretty. Uh, I don't know if people would no. be so quick to eat it if they if they knew what it looked like. Yeah, and I don't like. I think tilapia tastes like dirt, so I'd rather. Uh, I just you know what? Yeah, I'd rather have. Love it. I'd rather have a largemouth bass <laughs> than a tilapia. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah, one hundred percent. But I think it's like yeah. a yeah. eel pout. I don't know, Adam. Do you guys have those where you're at? Eel pout. I've so, heard of it, but I never never. Uh, yeah, they're really, you know, and they're big. There's a big, there's a huge tournament in Walker, Minnesota, on Leech Lake, and uh, we've gone before. But it's Eel Pout Festival. But they'll wrap. Um, but I know guys that'll target. Um, they'll target them later in the season during ice fishing. But guys will like get freaked out because, and it's it's a like a nighttime bite. They're down on the bottom, and oh, um, whoa, they look like. The but they'll wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's a burbot. Yeah, yeah. Eel pout. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. But I'm sure guys yeah, you can get like them around here, yeah. Yeah, but they'll they'll come out of the ice and wrap their, you know, wrap around your arm and like it's freaky. Ugh. And so who's going to keep that, mm-hmm. right? But they're delicious if you've had, you know, at yeah. the festival there, guys will, you know, they'll serve like eel pout nuggets and things like that, but but burbot eel pout, it's it's great. It's a great fish, but most guys aren't um I think with the festival there in Walker, I think it's changed some minds. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, well, I think more most people go there just for the drinking aspect and the social. Uh, <laughs> That's but, what changes the minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of guys who are targeting Ugly fish could have done a lot better. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but no, it's a delicious fish. It's a delicious fish, and um, I think more people should try those too. You know, we have a tilapia down in Florida. It's hugely invasive uh, now. I actually uh, last last year, year before. No, no, no. It was last year. We were up uh, on an alligator trip and stopped at uh, Adam Steele's house, and in his pond uh, there is a population of tilapia that live out there. And we caught probably like a half a dozen or so and took them back and like fried them whole. Great, great fish, but I don't know. Still, I would take a bass over a tilapia any day. <laughs> Sure. And a lot of the ones like that you buy. Sorry, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say a lot of the ones that you buy are raised in really questionable, like farming Mm -hmm. practices out in 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 different parts of the world. Uh, You don't have no idea what the water quality is like or what they're feeding them. It's they're just raised on such like en masse that uh, if you're talking trash fish. Maybe that's what we should be talking about rather than these awesome little fish that we can find locally here. I think, yeah, that that brings up 
that brings up a really good point because you look at uh like so uh obviously I'm I'm a obviously I'm a big proponent of of catching your own fish and harvesting your own meat but when you look at opportunities where you don't have that ability uh and you want to go to the store and consume seafood and freshwater fish and all that other stuff I think it's very very important to uh just like with steak just like with chicken just like with any other meat understand the practices of where you're buying it from and uh seafood differs a lot from uh meat is that they have to define the origin of where it came from and there's a lot of countries i don't support uh their their seafood or their fish practices just based on um you know research i've done and knowledge that that i've gained over time and just like uh, some of the tilapia too i remember uh, being a younger man and being like, oh yeah, tilapia is great, super cheap. I'll buy it, cook it, you throw whatever seasonings on it. It's gonna taste like that. And then you start researching and you find out exactly what you brought up, Adam. Like, man, what what are they really feeding this? Um, another one that stands out is like uh, shrimp from Southeast Asia. A lot of it being farmed, but it's not the shrimp being farmed that's the problem. It's a lot of the the practices for the way the bait. For the uh, the shrimp is harvested and and just all that and uh, I'll let people they want to go down some rabbit holes and looking at research and stuff like that's that's some interesting stuff but I would say if you're gonna buy fish from the store first off try to catch it yourself uh, if you can't do that go go uh, go do shopping and just be cognizant of where you're buying fish from and that may have been my issue with the tilapia because I know it was it was store bought and it just did not it just you know, it wasn't fresh. Um, it just did not taste good for me. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm. I don't like it. My wife honest, doesn't like, like it, and just yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, the the pond caught cat or pond caught tilapia, <laughs> much the same. So, not missing much <laughs> there. But uh, so let's uh, we we got a few minutes here to to wrap up and um. Let's run through a couple recipes because you guys have some really cool ones. I, I went through, which is really hard to go through and select uh, a few fish recipes from both of you because you have a lot of really awesome ones. Um, but let's lead off with uh, pike green curry. Well, yeah, so like I really love love Thai food um, and and Vietnamese food and all the Southeast, Southeast Asian kind of um, – different approaches to food is it's it's all been really awesome to me and and the curries in there are pretty like subtly different from from the indian style curries and curries you find elsewhere in the world and i found that that green curry with a coconut um it just goes really well with fish it's like like there's like a, a hammer of flavor there but it's still delicate somehow and and so your fish isn't going to get completely lost in it um, where something like a really buttery curry from like Pakistan or something, it might, it might be a little too much for the fish and might get lost. But that green curry just kind of, uh, you can still really taste it in there. So, um, that's, I'm sure why I chose to put my pike in the green curry, even though I can't remember <laughs> doing it, but <laughs> they often, they'll often do like a fish balls in it and, and. I would think that it sounds like a great thing that I would do again. So, <laughs> uh, I really think that any sort of like kind of white fish and pike is nice cause it kind of holds its, its shape too. It doesn't just like dissolve into things like some flaky fish does. Um, you just make your green curry, you use like a, there's pretty decent green curry paste. You can buy it for like 
four bucks and it lasts in your fridge for years. And you just take a tablespoon of that, mix in a can of coconut milk, whatever veggies you have on hand, and a little bit of fish, uh, pike or bass or anything like that. And you have yourself on, put on some rice. You have yourself a meal in like half an hour that's really cool, super tasty, really different. You can just eat it on like a Tuesday night just after work with the family, without the family waiting hours for you to complete it. So I think, yeah, green curry is awesome and way to go for that. And great with fish. I think I think you brought up a really good point that a lot of people think that may or may not think about is like uh, the fish and the curry uh, being a quick go-to like week weekday meal. You know, like after work, mm-hmm. whatever fish you have on hand, just kind of toss in and, and uh, add the coconut milk or stock or whatever you want to put in there and uh creating like a really nice soupy saucy meal that's uh i mean we do it we've done the curries and stuff before and it's just like 20 minutes tops maybe and you're like everybody's just as long as it takes to cook the rice you can cook everything else so exactly it's easy easy and fast and, and and tastes awesome so yeah it's a good way to go it it reminds me so we did uh back in like the very very early days uh actually it was the same trip up to North Dakota that uh I we caught pike and at the campsite I prepared uh it's um you call it like creole uh shrimp creole or uh catfish creole it's like a cajun creole dish it's basically like a red sauce uh a little spicy but I did it with pike and made like a pike creole and mm. called it like north meets south um, I got, I got some questionable responses from my friends of like, what is this? Like, what are you doing? Um, but no, I made it with a pike and, and you're exactly right. Like it held the, the pike held together very, very well for like the stewing and the simmering. So, um, I think that was, that was pretty rad, but let's see, let's move on to catfish scallops. That one's yours, Jeff. Yeah, that was my latest one. Um, and so, yeah, I'd caught a big, I mean, it's been, um, I've had it in my head for a while, but I haven't been able to catch a, like a big, like a nice, for, for that recipe, um, uh, that's, that's the latest one I put on there, um, for outdoor edge, uh, knives and they, um, mm-hmm. but you need a big catfish. Cause I mean, if you're looking for scallops, it's, it's, I'm preparing them just as you would, um, a scallop. And so you need a fillet that like minimum, um, you know, it's got to be like three quarters of an inch to, but preferably like an inch thick. So you need it. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good size catfish. Yeah. You need a nice big catfish. The one that I used was actually 17 pound catfish. Um, yeah. So once you trim and you know, you want to trim that fat off and, uh, but yeah, I tried to use the cookie cutter and and mm-hmm. destroyed a cookie cutter because um, it doesn't <laughs> like it went through the first one and then i bent it all and i'm like oh this okay i gotta hide this and throw it away before um <laughs> my baking my baking wife um sees what i did but um but then i just used um but it was the, it was it was the right shape for a scallop and so mm-hmm. so i just kind of used that you know i i set the cookie cutter you know down and then i just used that sharp knife um, and then actually cut through, um, and, and, and so, yeah, you can, you, people can go on and check that out, but it's, yeah, I just, I, that, I cooked them the same, just as you would a scallop, you put them in the pan, 90 seconds on each side, they cook through, um, 
and and yeah, it was they were delicious. So I just did a really simple vinaigrette how, with it and served it with some asparagus. How many uh, how many quote unquote scallops did you did you get from one fillet? Yeah, so I did. Um, oh, geez. I mean, I only used half the fish, so like one fillet. It was a big fish. Um, so, so one of the fillets, so just just one of the sides was enough to get to make that whole dish. So I would say, hmm. I don't know if you have a picture of it on the. I'm trying to think what, how many scallops are on there. Um, Let me see. I'll pull it up real quick. I was really jealous of that recipe because I had that in my ideas notes languishing oh, in there, waiting for me to catch a fish big enough to do it, which I think will take a couple more years yet. So I'm glad yeah. you got to it first. But <laughs> listen, Adam, <laughs> looks awesome. It's the same thing with Justin. Like when you when you, it, I think it's for all of us. Like we have this amazing idea. Yeah. And then it's like, and then you go on, like you look on Instagram and you're like, think, oh, I'm the only one who thinks about this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then, and then you go on and I'm like, oh, I can't remember what was that one. Um, who did one? It was just, I thought I had like this totally original idea and I, and I went on and I was going to send it to Justin and somebody had just done it for Harvesting Nature. And I'm like, are you serious? Oh. <laughs> so, Come on. Yeah. Scrap that idea. So, um. Yeah, that yeah. happens a lot. <laughs> but no, I think with those scallops, you guys, had, um, yeah, you need a bigger, thicker fillet. Um, you could probably do it with a thinner fish. Just the cooking time is going to be different. But if you want it, to, I mean, I I may I tried to make them look exactly like a scallop, like like those nice big scallops. Um, that was that was it's the such, look I was going great, for. It's a great picture. Yeah, and, but I, you know, what I was going for too with that is, um, you know, you have the smaller eaters. And then you throw away those big ones, and and yeah, is it good to throw away the big ones, right? Because they're the ones who are are gonna make more catfish. But um, but we have a lot of big catfish. Like we have tons of trophies uh, here in the Red River, and right in my backyard. And and it was okay to to keep one, right? Um, you know, I usually throw those big ones back, but but it was just a fun way to to use that fish, and. Um, and you know, so I just yeah, I I wanted to do something special with it. So it's cool because it it's too. It's like I appreciate the simplicity and then also the creativeness of it to be like, see that catfish fillet? We're gonna make scallops out of it. And then the sear, <laughs> like your sear on it's pretty remarkable. Uh, it, it's like once you know on the Instagram you have the picture of like them laid out on the the cooking. Uh, or the cutting board and you can see like you're like oh yeah that like looks like somebody cut circles and catfish but then you scroll over one and you look to where it's seared and you're like holy smokes like that looks like it looks like scallops like that's phenomenal yeah yeah Yeah. and you're not going to catch a lot of those trophy fish so i'm glad it worked on the first try (laughs) 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 so yeah yeah It's one of those things too. You kind of bite your nails about sometimes. Yeah. You're like, I mean, I had a whole. I had. I had the other fillet. Yeah. I had the other side. So I was like, "Come on, this has to work." So, yeah, I really, <laughs> I really watched watch that one. Yep. Uh, what was the next one I wanted to talk about? Ooh, crispy whole fried panfish. We touched on panfish a little bit, but I, I think, uh, panfish maybe in the U.S. like greatly underappreciated. I don't see a lot of people eating whole panfish. Uh, very popular in the places I've been, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, like 
even in the Florida Keys, you know, people are going to eat smaller fish pan fried or grilled like whole. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that, that one's, that one's yours, Adam. Um, yeah. I don't know what types of pan fish you used. Uh, here in my lake, we're generally catching bluegills, uh, sunfish, like pumpkin seeds, uh, rock bass, um, which I never heard of anyone eating, which is too bad because they're not that bad. Um, but I was talking to my buddy recently. He was working with a commercial like uh, Lake Ontario fisherman, and they said they catch, I don't know how much he said, so tons of, of sunfish, and they ship them all to California, which is interesting, um, where they really? eat them on... Yeah, the fillets on sandwiches, I guess, but I doubt they're eating them whole. Um, so that's kind of yeah. an interesting thing, like a blue bluegill sandwich or a sunfish sandwich. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what's going on there, but yeah. So to California, which but is it, wild because they definitely have those fish in California too. Yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting tidbit, but um, yeah, the whole fish. I, I kind of like I like eating the whole fish. I try to do it as much as possible because you can just get so much more off the fish than if you just fillet it. Uh, and because those fish are so small, um, they, you do better getting more off it. And Mm -hmm. I'm also a really tactile eater. So I really like chicken wings. I like crabs and stuff and lobsters, like getting into the, into my food with my fingers. So all you do is you catch a bunch. And honestly, those ones were caught off my dock. Uh, we were swimming and the bluegills kept biting us while we were swimming. So literally jumped yeah, out, got my you. fish out. I'm like, yeah, enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> Caught 15 of them and they stopped biting us. So, uh, yeah, I brought them up. Just got them, uh, like, um, scale them, trim them with some scissors. It's, it's pretty quick work. And, yeah, just kind of a batter or like a season them with flour and spices and fry them whole like that. And then you just have a big plate, like a big stack of them, and you just go to town with a couple of beers and just eat them like you would almost chicken wings or something. Um, you got to work your way around the bones, but you got to you figure out mm-hmm. pretty quickly where those all are. And, and they're delicious. Like you're talking, people love crappy, but they often won't go for the sunfish or, or bluegills, but they, they're, all, they're all really delicious. So, yeah. And you can catch like the limits are insane. Uh, all you need is a little worm. And I was just pulling them up with, I have the a little kid's rod for my niece uh, in my shed. And I just grabbed that. And I was just flicking them out of the water like every three <laughs> minutes or so. And yeah, it's so easy. And I just had a big pile of fish for dinner. It was awesome. So yeah, that's a really cool one to go with. Yeah, I did one with perch. You can do the same thing, you know, just, just use oh, a cast yeah. iron skillet. Yeah. But yeah, definitely scale cool. them first and then, and gut them and, and they're delicious. I mean, you do table side. Yeah, I've been I've been in Italy, and and you know you do table side whole fish, and the guy sitting there, you know, taking it off and and doing this whole big presentation, oh, and and I'm like, I love that. Yeah, serving way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that in Rome, and and uh, you know, I wanted the experience of the whole thing, and now I'm like, oh yeah, I have these perch that we caught in Fargo in a city pond, um, and uh, I can do the same thing. So. We did that, uh, it was back probably, oh gosh, my daughter must have been one maybe, 
one or two and uh we were fishing at one of the lakes in in san diego and caught some of the the like stalker rainbow trout that they put out there and uh it was christmas and that's what we had instead of like a ham or a turkey or anything it was just my wife and myself and my little daughter and we uh that same morning had caught one of those big old rainbows and so we just cooked it in the oven roasted it and then uh looked up on on youtube like how to serve a whole fish and literally did that method that you you described there and like to this day we had some trout the other night and i I served it to my daughter that same exact way it was like it doesn't even matter what fish it is like it's it's such a cool uh i think it's something like listeners out there go go google like traditional european way to serve whole fish it's such a delicate like neat process the way they break the fish down with like a spoon and a fork it's cool and like whole red snapper i know that was my um Mm -hmm. that was a tampa thing that was that was something my great-grandmother did that was a specialty um, she went and got it and, and we still do it cause I can, I can get the whole red snapper, um, uh, at our Asian markets here in Fargo. And I, I've done that many times. So yeah, well, that's good too. Have you seen, uh, some of the ways like they do it in Hawaii where they'll take a whole fish and they'll steam it. Uh, and then after it comes out of the steamer, they'll heat up like hot, hot peanut oil. And they'll take the peanut oil and pour over the top of it, and it'll just like crackle the skin, and it's just like, oh man, phenomenal. The Chinese do that too. They put like a like slivered green onions and chilies and garlic on top, and then uh-huh. and just pour the hot oil over, and it's just beautiful. It tastes so good. I do whole pike like that, or or whatever I catch in the lake and or bass. Yeah, it's just it's really gonna so satisfying. Pull, like eating the one side of the fish and then pulling the skeleton off in one go. There's nothing more satisfying than that in life. <laughs> really like doing that. <laughs> Agreed. Um, well, guys, I, I think we've uh, we've reached the end, unfortunately, because this has been a great conversation. I hope that everybody's taken away some some uh, encourageable tips. But um, as as you both know, this is the time where kind of like give the opportunity for a last thought or alibi or misfire that you may have. So, uh, Adam, uh, we'll start alphabetically and, uh, <laughs> you have a last thought for us. <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I could talk about this for hours, I think, but, uh, I was thinking, um, let's stop focusing on, um, the lack of flavor in fish as a good thing. And let's start focusing on the flavor of fish as a good thing. Like, Traditionally, we, we focus on like a, a fish with zero flavor, like a cod, the like chicken breast of the sea, basically, as the pinnacle of good fish. Let's actually start focusing on the flavor of fish and, and all the different flavors we can find uh, as a good thing rather than a bad thing and uh, and go from there with, with trying new fish out. Yeah, I like it. Jeff? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I, I think Adam's done some great things on on and gotten really creative with some fish and it's it's you know, like Justin, like you said, like you said, Wow, you know, you you guys have challenged me and I know like I, I'll see on you know, Adam does a lot of great things and he and um you know challenges me to, to come up with try and do some some interesting some new and interesting things. But I think uh I think again, like, and I and I've said it on another, um, on another podcast, but just like when it comes to wild game, and I think it'd be the same for fish. Is just find what you like, 
and um, like some of those recipes that you would that you would order in a restaurant, right? Like like maybe go uh, and and look in a cookbook or or see like what's your favorite like go on a seafood restaurant website and maybe like like what's one of their popular things that they do and then take that freshwater fish and see if you can um, like get creative with it and and see what you can do. I think men and women who are listening to this podcast, Harvesting Nature, I think that they're, they're open to those ideas and trying different things with um, the wild game and the fish they catch. And, and so I just really encourage them to, to try and get creative with, with what is, what is out your back door. Like for me right now, it's catfish. And um, so I'm trying to get as creative as I can with that and encourage a lot of people to to start eating more of it because we have a ton of it here. It's a it's it's part of our resource. Um, it's a it's a natural resource. And um, I just hope more people use it. Yep, I agree, man. What a, uh, a great conversation and uh, t- talking about resources like it's just uh, w- almost every place in the the US and Canada and North America and South America and and the world has some access to to freshwater fish obviously excluding very dry and arid places but still in in some ability there is there um i don't know i i'd like to see when people start living a little bit outside the box like uh maybe the box being like a a battered catfish or you know whatever like trying something different uh just to see and and the abundance of fish that are present allows uh, one to become very very creative uh so you know if if you don't understand what's in your local rivers lakes ponds oceans uh get out and try to wrap your head around it talk to talk to friends talk to family maybe don't take their eating recommendations but uh try to just figure it out but uh nonetheless there's lots of room for growth there and and i think it's a it's a good starting point so i'm hoping that everybody uh enjoyed the conversation i know i definitely did and uh, I thank you all for listening. And as always, all these recipes that we mentioned, uh, be they full-on recipes or just uh, Instagram or social media mentions, we'll, we'll tie those links down in the show notes. And then uh, make sure you're headed over to social media and you're following both Adam and Jeff on their uh, pers- uh, respective profiles, uh, the Intrepid Eater and was it Wild Game and Fish? Boom, got it. Um, Make sure you're following them on Instagram, Facebook, all those platforms. And then when you're done checking the boxes there, make sure you slide over to the Harvesting Nature pages and ensure you're following us because you're obviously going to miss out on something cool uh, if you're not. (laughs) Um, And then uh, for everybody else, punch that uh, five-star button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Tell us what we're doing wrong or, you know, tell us what we are doing right. So I thank everybody and have a good night.